0: Hey
1: folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Wissota. Sarah Yacoub with the Minocqua Brewing Company Super Pack is on the Mississippi River. And up on Lake Minocqua is Kirk Bangstead of the Minocqua Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome. You're up north.
2: Welcome to the Up North Podcast. I'm Kirk
1: Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company. I'm Sarah Yacoub of the Monaco Brewing Company Super Pack. And I'm Pat Wrightlo, co-founder of UpNorthNewsWI.com. On this week's show, plenty to be thankful for. It's understandable if you don't always feel that way, and uh, you know, I, I mean, I get to work with these two all the time, so I got a lot to be thankful for. And oh, frankly, um, it, we need that now <laughs> and then. Look, we're we're going into the we're about to go into the third year of a pandemic, you guys. I mean, there's division in our politics, there's tragedy in our local headlines that we're not going to dwell on this week. We acknowledge all that. But if we don't go crazy, or if we don't, you know, stop now and then we're going to go crazy. Uh, If we don't expand our view, take stock of all that remains good and generous around us. And so obviously, for me, you know, there's a lot of focus on on politics and policy. And it's like, well, there's nothing to be thankful for there. And I'm like, You know, no, don't listen to the doom and gloom headlines out there. We've seen true leaders step up over the past year. They have taken action that's prevented an economic depression. Uh, Small businesses and households are recovering thanks to all those various lifelines. The stock market is setting record highs. Unemployment claims. I want to talk about that for a second. New claims of unemployment. A year ago, we're at 700,000 newly jobless a week. At the start of the pandemic, it was six, as high as 6 million people lost their jobs on any given week. This past week, the number fell below 200,000, 199,000. That's the first time it's been below 200,000 newly unemployed since 1969. So the economy is making its way back. Wages are up. Consumer spending is soaring. Yes, there are still challenges, as we'll talk about in our next segment, but there are reasons to be thankful that, uh, you know, America is making a comeback. And, of course, we've got all these personal reasons to be thankful as well. I don't know if either, either one of you two watched Saturday Night Live and saw the the skit about the, the Target commercial. I mean, oh, was, yeah. they nailed it. They just <laughs> nailed it.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm also going to talk at the end of this show, Pat, about um You know, about about what Thanksgiving kind of means to me and and how, you know, although politics is so divisive, uh, how we need to uh, how we need to extend an olive branch from time to time, but I want to save that till the end.
3: Well, okay, so not to be the boy mom here, but I would like to talk about how we can cook vegetables at Thanksgiving time without making the whole kitchen smell like farts. And so I like wow. to cook vegetables <laughs> like, and my stepdaughters come in and go, Oh, what is that awful smell? And I'm like, broccoli, broccoli is wonderful. We should eat it. And the boys are like, Oh no, mom. <laughs> so, you know, there are real struggles here.
1: I, I, the, the struggle is real for cooking vegetables. I, I have to admit that I, I am a, a fan of, uh, like when it comes to like broccoli I want it, you know, in like a ranch dip, you know, cold. Once you start to make it all soft and mushy, you know, not a fan of that. I don't like, you know, like lettuce on my hamburgers because it gets all cold and mushy and smells funny, you know. So I I can see where they might have a point here. I, I hear you with the
2: broccoli smelling a little like flatulence. There's no doubt about that. I don't know. I never, I never think I've thought about it until you just said that, Sarah.
3: Brussels sprouts. I mean, they're delicious, but oh, do they do a number on the kitchen?
1: Well, Brussels sprouts, I mean, come on. Brussels sprouts are just baby cabbage. So yes, that's, that's what we would expect. And, and like anything like that, if you just cover it with enough garlic. That it, they're wonderful True. then, you know? Yes. True. Which is about the only thing you can do with it. Um, all right. Well, having established uh, the, the problems <laughs> of odor in the kitchen, we're, we're going to switch back to the holiday season and supporting local merchants in all kinds of various ways. We've got a guest from Marshfield who's going to join us in just a few minutes to talk about that. Uh, thanks for joining us on the Up North podcast. We'll be back in a moment. Taylor, the table. God, bring
3: me joy. Oh, Taylor the Latte Boy.
1: I love
3: him. I love him. I love him.
1: <laughs> that's that, it. That's it. Taylor the Latte Boy was the song you chose for the segment. <laughs> what, is, what is that from
2: it's kristen chenoweth like it's like some musical theater thing or
1: something but it's come on we got we're talking about coffee in the next you, know, you worked want? out there can you get kristen chenoweth on as a guest at some point Are oh you my guys, god like i wish
2: oh my god I, I wouldn't be able to talk if i had kristen chenoweth oh on i as know a guest. she's
1: a she's a national treasure um here's the part where the show gets back on the rails and pat says welcome back to the up north podcast i'm Pat Krightlow.
3: I'm Kirk Banks, man. And I'm Sarah Yakub. If you are new to the show, welcome. We welcome you to live Wednesdays on the radio and as a podcast on the weekends. Our hosts at News Talk 92.7 have shows throughout the week that can be heard anywhere, anytime, thanks to the Devil Radio app. Or you can catch us weekends on our website, upnorthpodcast.com, and all of the usual places where you can subscribe. And we thank you for that.
1: We do. And we uh, we are also thankful for local entrepreneurs, the merchants, the risk takers, the folks who serve us, whether it's fixing our plumbing or serving us coffee. You're going to hear a lot of talk this season about buying local. And I want to point out an important distinction that might help some of you with your holiday shopping. Now, I mentioned in the last segment that consumer spending is sharply higher as folks want to get back to purchasing things they've put off because of the pandemic. If you look at consumer spending, there's actually two lines on that graph. The line climbing very sharply is the line for goods. Just think of all the things stuck on boats waiting to get into the port at Long Beach. And by the way, that's a whole different topic, how we let our country get to the point where having everything made overseas was bound to come back and bite us in the ass at some point. But that's a topic for another show. Also on that graph of consumer spending is a line for services. That line is not nearly as steep, and that is something we can all help address. We don't just have to buy goods that come wrapped in a box. We can buy local services, our local restaurants bars, hotels and inns, movie theaters, live entertainment venues where Kirk can sing with Kristen Chenoweth, all of these places. (laughs) They need our help. So where you're able, make it a gift certificate, Christmas, and help the rest of our economy with its recovery. I don't know, Kirk, like maybe a a coffee shop?
2: Yeah. So That's a great segue there, Pat, because we have a really great guest on tonight. It's John Tracy, uh, who, with his wife, Vicki, started uh, the Uptown Coffee Company in Marshfield about two and a half years ago. And I met these guys uh, because I was looking for somebody to sell my beer in central and northern Wisconsin, and there was not a lot of people who were willing to stick their necks out to sell progressive beer. And now John is the only guy... All the, or his, his company is the only, even though they're a coffee shop, they are uh, selling my beer in Marshfield. And That's the only place you can get it in the in the entire city. So we become kind of friends through that. I wish I could see you more, but I don't get the Marshfield all that often. Um, but I thought it'd be really good to bring him on the show because this is the time, and I knew it more than anybody when I owned a brew pub. It's like, you really got to make hay uh, while, like in December, and you know, at, between Thanksgiving and like New Year's Eve, Like, we all got to make some money, especially when it's cold in the Northwoods and and when people are kind of celebrating the holidays. So I wanted to emphasize that, that we're not going to talk about politics that much tonight, but we're going to talk about how important it is to shop local and support your local communities. So uh, John had a great story about what the Starbucks coming to Marshfield kind of did to his coffee shop and how that kind of affected right down the supply chain. So, John, thanks so much for coming on the show and would love to hear about why it's so important to buy local
0: well first of all thanks everybody for having us it's uh it's an honor to be on with such great company uh <laughs> legends in the wisconsin industry i guess is the way to put it um really he honored to be here
1: have the right zoom link pressed but we'll let him go ahead and say nice things about us anyway <laughs> anyway john you were saying
0: so yeah we've had um you know nobody put pandemic in the business plan. No one, I don't know anybody, anybody that did, they deserve a Nobel Prize for something. Um, So opening a coffee shop that really was focused on gathering people and being a space where people could interact with one another one on one during a time where everybody was shouting through their phones was really kind of the purpose that we set out to do that and then focus on some environmental issues, focus on some uh, it just focusing on being that local hub where people can purchase local goods and find things that are handmade or craft made by a fellow entrepreneurs in Wisconsin um, was kind of the thrust of opening up and uh, that all took a, a beating, you know, right after we got through our first holiday season and then new January was going to be slow. And people started whispering about this COVID thing in February and by March we were shut down for about six months. I'm sorry that's about six weeks. Um, So you know the business came back uh, little by little by little throughout the period and then last holiday season was really good for us in terms of people wanting to get out and shop local. We still weren't radically comfortable with having people sit down and be in the space for very long. So it was a lot of carry out, um, shifted a lot of our seating over to retail. And I think that's when we started to um, figure out what other packaged goods we could find um, and really kind of built this little micro ecosystem of packaged goods and and craft made things from around the area. So we carry goods from some makers over in Stevens Point Uh, We carry goods from makers in Madison. Um, We carry some stuff from people over in Fall Creek, Eau Claire area, just all over the state of Wisconsin, Oshkosh, and just started to source small businesses, doing things that uh, aligned with our values, being that environmentally friendly, um, conscious of the workforce that they were using to source the goods and make the goods. Um, And that really carried us through the holiday season um, last year. And then to get, bring it all home back to Starbucks. So, you know, started to gain some momentum again. And when things started to settle down this summer and COVID was kind of an afterthought, I won't say an afterthought, but kind of in the back of people's minds, they were more comfortable coming and going. And we were a little bit more comfortable knowing our client base and, and, you know, understanding who's vaccinated, who's not, and how to kind of protect ourselves if if there's a scenario where somebody isn't vaccinated, Uh, really started to get into a groove again this last summer. And then, you know, Starbucks pulled the trigger and built a new shop uh, right down the road from us. Um, And I was telling you, Kirk, in the email that I was sending you that it's not like they turned off a spigot. It's there's 10, about 10 transactions a day that don't happen anymore. And you know I can almost pinpoint the times of days that those don't happen anymore. Whether it's a convenience factor, we don't have a drive-through, they do. They're on the north end of town where everything else is. Um, so there's already a built-in customer base just passing by their front door every day. We're on Main Street downtown, a little bit out of the way from where all the business activity is. Um, but those 10 transactions, and you know, they add up little by little, maybe it's only a gallon of milk, but I buy my gallon of milk from a local dairy that's two miles away from my shop. And I buy all my roasted beans from in-state roasters. So Ruby Roasters, Wonder State Roasters, JBC, uh, Madison, Viroqua, and, and uh, Nasonville, Stevens Point area are, are the people that supply us our beans and while it's not a humongous thing, it adds up. Half a pound of beans a day over the course of a year is a, is a pretty sizable chunk of beans that I'm no longer buying from them.
2: So that, so that's the story is not only does your business get hurt a little bit with a with a chain that doesn't really care about Marshfield, Wisconsin, you are no longer able to buy products from companies that you care about because you want to... Buy local as well. So there's like this little bit of a, you know, this, like you drop a pebble in the water and it kind of like, kind of splatters like throughout the the lake. And uh, so, so that's why it's, you know, seem local businesses support other local businesses. And uh, that's why, you know, this black Friday, you know, this internet Monday or whatever it is, it's like, that's so important to focus on your yep. communities because that's what's going to keep us from being a bunch of strip malls.
3: I feel like I should go uh, ask my little brother for a shirt he had in college. He went to art school in San Francisco and he worked at Pete's coffee and he wore a shirt that said, friends don't let friends drink Starbucks. And I feel like that would be very appropriate here. Um, But, you know, it just reminds me of the tax breaks we give big businesses like Starbucks and it's on the backs of coffee shops like yours or, you know, homeowners and who aren't given back who aren't you know investing in that community. but what can we do to support you to you know keep you going strong because it sounds like a great shop and a great business you have going?
0: Well, thanks. Um, just be mindful. you know the thing that gets lost in all of this is I'm selling the same commodity as Starbucks. but how I source my commodity is so radically different than what Starbucks does um and that's the part that just isn't meeting the consumer at where they're at they say you know they see the coffee bean is the coffee bean is the coffee bean the milk is the milk is the milk but what they don't see is that the coffee bean that you're buying from starbucks is being purchased at a corporate level at an entity very very far away from here and just being shipped in versus us locally guys and there's a number of us in town that are supporting different roasteries in the state of Wisconsin that are employing people in Milwaukee and Madison and in Oshkosh. Um, So there's there's a few of us out there that are really being mindful about, okay, if I'm going to work with somebody, I want to have that relationship with somebody that that I know is in the state of Wisconsin and and help them build their business and keep their employees uh, working too.
1: Well, and it's that that word mindfulness that uh, shouldn't just apply to small business owners. It it should apply to customers, to consumers as well. It's on all of us. I talked a few minutes ago about deciding to purchase things that were made overseas rather than things that were purchased here in the states. The same goes for buying local versus buying. Now, now again, nobody's advocating for Starbucks to, you know, go away tomorrow. We, as a consumer, you have a choice to go to this place, this place, this place, but you can think about it before you make that decision. Don't just go for the instant gratification, you know, just the the, the lowest price, just the convenient drive-through when a, a little trip two blocks away might do more for the local economy. A local economy that, John, you know, includes things like, you know, investing more into it. You, you play a role in downtown Marshfield, uh, you, if, if I understand right, bring in, you know, live music. So you don't just support, you know, suppliers of, of food and drink, but, you know, local artists and musicians as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thursday nights we do pizza and beer, um, and live music and and it's again, kind of feeds off that initial business plan of being a piece of the community. Um, and yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's uh, it's just fun to be able to support the arts in some meaningful way. Um, and you're right, being intentional, being mindful. Uh, it's your brain isn't built to do that. It's built to take the shortest path from A to B, right? And forget everything that in between. Um, and, so, and that's the hard part.
2: Yeah, and John, um, you know, I've been to your I've been to your place, and you know, I know exactly what big box stores do or, or chains do. They they do a kind of a study of a, of a town and it doesn't matter where the heartbeat of the town is. It matters where the most street traffic might be or whatever. And, you know, and often it, I know I grew up in Stevens Point, like the downtown became a ghost town because, you know, all of a sudden there was a business park where all these new restaurants kind of went to and our downtown was hollowed out. And uh, to me, I mean, I'm pretty sure you guys are, you know, in kind of the downtown area. And so like, that's, that's Marshfield, like, the, the, you know, without you and without other local shops kind of populating the heart of the town, it, you, it becomes this, you know, this place that nobody goes to. And then all of a sudden, everyone's just on the freeway, stopping to get a quick trip or stopping to get, you know, their a Starbucks and it, and it guts the actual town.
0: Yeah, the identity of the town is your downtown. I don't care where you're from. I love Stevens Point's downtown, and I've seen it grow in the last 25 years.
3: Well, I mean, great job with with the pandemic and everything that's going on politically. We need those hometown character-based establishments where we can come back together and have some fun and enjoy each other's company. And, you know, I, I go to Starbucks with everyone else, but you don't get that there. You go in, you wait in your line. Like it's a Disneyland ride. You get your coffee, you pay too much, you go away.
1: A and Disneyland you don't, right. I like that.
3: Yeah, but you know, and you're sitting there I'm like, wait, I'm paying you to, to wait in this hour line. This is insane. But anyway, I mean, it's, we need these businesses in these times of stress and, you know, of uh, all this tumultuous, you know, um, fractured communities. And so, you know, thank you for doing what you're doing. And I sure hope that uh, I can get up there one of these days.
0: No, I appreciate it. Love to see you. I think our small business communities um, in general, the ones that I've talked to anyway, are awesome about supporting each other. Um, Never heard a discouraging word from another small business owner. It's just been all encouragement. So that's been great. It's great to hear consumers do it too.
1: Wonderful. Hey, John, for folks, when they get to Marshfield, where do they find you?
0: We are right downtown, 121 South Central Avenue, right at the main intersection uh, as you come into town. You can't hardly miss that intersection.
1: That's great. Well, John Tracy, thank you so much for joining us on the Up North Podcast. It's uh, been great to visit with you and we wish you all the best for the holiday season and the new year.
0: I appreciate it. Thank you guys.
1: All right. Hey, when we come back, something else we're thankful for, the people who never stop fighting for what's right, even if it's an uphill battle. One of the leading voices up north in the fight against gerrymandering joins us next to talk about how time is short for you to get involved with making a difference in your local government in 2022. We will help you do that if you'd like to serve locally. You're up north. We'll be right back.
0: Won't you let me die?
3: welcome back to the cabin this is the up north podcast heard live on wednesday nights on the radio and on the weekends wherever you find your favorite wisconsin podcast i'm sarah yakub along with pat kreitlow and kirk bangstad hey hey hey
2: hey who's supposed to talk next i was listening to that my town song which i thought was
1: you you go and you pick the music and you're so busy dancing to it you completely missed the script (laughs)
3: There's a lot to unpack in that song, too. I'm listening to the lyrics. I know. Like, we're talking there's, there's
1: fighting, own.
3: there's, there's well, running off. No, well, this, is, this is the point. Like,
2: you know, it's like you got to fight for your town, and that's why we're bringing on Hans Brighton Moser back on the show as a guest this time because he has fought for his town uh, as a county board uh, member and a dairy farmer in Merrill and in Lincoln County, and, um, you know, I – I mean, we've we've had we we got to know each other through the battle for gerrymandering, and early on, uh, you know, Hans just does didn't he it just he just didn't want to he didn't want to stand for the fact that he saw this stuff getting screwed up with the district lines, and so he was an early advocate, like early, like years and years and years ago, about counties. It doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican, or if you're deep red or whatever, but he wanted to get the county board level passing resolutions. To say, listen, we just want fair district lines.
1: That's and all. There we have need. And there have been. And he's been a, a tireless advocate against, you know, rigged maps. But the reason we wanted to have him back on is that a window is about to open in Wisconsin because Hans isn't just uh, an advocate for fair maps. He is a member of the Lincoln County Board. And it's those county boards, school boards, city councils, town boards where real difference is made. And that happens in the spring elections, uh, which take place in April. If there's a a primary needed, it takes place in February. So to get on the ballot, you've got to collect so many signatures on a a nominating petition. And that window for getting those signatures opens up December 1st. And I think those signatures are due uh, January 4th. And so Hans is uh, here just to talk about the value of serving in local government. Hans, thanks for joining us.
4: Well, thank thank you guys very much. Good to see you guys. Sorry, I, my video doesn't work. Um, but again, you feel free to find somebody you know taller and better looking to put in my place. I totally
1: <laughs> now, don't give us an opening like that. God only knows what we'll paste in this in this uh, square I can't wait. Here. But you're 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 sounding good uh, for the podcast, and we we appreciate that. Um, Hans, again, you were dairy farming. Now you're on the county board, uh, so it's not like you. You know, always wanted to be in local politics all your life. what What made the decision for you? What made the decision for other county board members you know? What is it that might prompt a person to say, you know, i would I would like to be on my county board or town board or whatever as well. what What led you to it? Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, I've got a day job. I've got
4: a dairy farm to run that keeps me plenty busy, so you know, but uh, my my introduction to county politics was because I was elected to the uh, farm service agency. Uh, county committee. So that's federal, uh, you know, uh, oversight over fe- local oversight over federal government, uh, you know, where, where it relates to agriculture. So that was my, re- that was my introduction to county government through the, through land conservation there. Um, but that gets pretty far into the weeds. Why, why I ran? Well, someone in the community that th- thought that I might, uh, you know, be a reasonable, halfway, thoughtful, low drama person on that board that, you know, Cares and wants to get things done, and I think that's that's what people's motivation should be uh, to run, you know, for these offices. Um, but if I can elaborate a little bit more on that, um, what we're what we're seeing this go around, and what I've learned here very recently is that um, there are a lot of people um, from what I'm going to say the Trump camp. I'm not even going to say Republicans, but but rather real hardcore. Um, Trump supporters, worshipers, I might even go so far as to say oh, that yeah, are running, say. that are running in local uh, running for local offices and they're running, I really think because they' they've so so believed the big lie and they're running because they feel like it's their patriotic duty to save the nation because they believe that the last election was stolen and so forth. Um, so I have, and that's hard for those of us here to, to fathom, but I think that's a fact. So I, I'm, I'm loath to nail those folks to the cross because they've been sold a bill of good and, and they're really, and so they're doing it for very passionate reasons. Um, but I do fear that it is going to unseat a lot of good local government officials, because at the end of the day, we have to be able to, um, add two and two, we have to be able to deal with, with some of the things that come down from Madison with regard to our roads and so forth. And the other thing I think is really important now more than ever perhaps, is that we've got federal money coming in for infrastructure and so forth. And we have to use that money wisely. And I think at the same time that that's happening, we're dealing with some, the fallout uh, from from an ever-changing climate. So we need to do with our county resources, um, things that previous county boards haven't had to do, which is to say, Look at look at our infrastructure and say how can we beef it up, because these 100-year events are going to happen once a summer and are happening once a summer, and that's where resources need to be allocated. Um, we can't just be um, pontificating and parroting, you know, propaganda at the federal level. That was a long-winded ass answer to your short, simple <laughs> question,
1: Pat. Once you know, again, it was, I it was it was spot on. Trust me, especially yeah. with current events.
3: Well, so I feel like we're one giant Dunning-Kruger graph when it comes to local government. There are people who think, well, I don't know enough about everything I couldn't possibly run. And then there are people who really don't know a lot about a lot of things who think, well, I'm empowered and I'm going to run because I believe in the big lie. And, you know, what do you say to those people who are a little bit apprehensive because they're aware of their own limitations and are, you know, governed by their humility? how do we get
4: yeah. those people to get out and run i like i like the way you said that governed by their humility and that's interesting because it reminds me of a conversation i was just having with my daughter about you know politics and so forth but because i think that's so spot on there most of us most normal people i would argue it never occurs to us to run for any office even if it's dog catcher or county board much less assembly or state senate most of us don't are not wired that way because most of us um, you know, I was raised, and this is a conversation that I had with my daughter, I was raised in a household where my parents, it, it was just very clear to me growing up that, you know, don't, 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 don't think you're all that. Just settle down. You know what I mean? Self-promotion was, was shameful. And so when you go out and you have to run for public office, there's a little bit of that, especially if you have someone who's running against you. But what I would say is this, those who are out in the community who think that they um, that that the county board or city council is somehow over their station or over their head. Um, they're, they're just being foolish. What the county board needs, what city councils need, and I think frankly what the state assembly and state senate needs, but let's focus on local races here, we need exactly those people. We need farmers, we need janitors, we need lawyers, we need educators. That's the point. We need somebody from every corner of the community, not because they have some grand wisdom or some knowledge about politics, but because they don't, but be, because they are interested in going into a room, seeing where they can contribute and having a knowledge base that somebody else in the room doesn't have. And and I, I think also a willingness and an ability to you know, use good old fashioned critical thinking and be willing to listen to the person who you know uh, comes in from the outside and says, this is what's uh, wrong with the budget. This is what's helpful and so forth and so on. So that's says critical thinking skills and a desire to help your community. But, but my plea and the only, quite honestly, the only reason why I agreed to come on to the show tonight, my plea is that we need people to run. We need people to run. Not because they're wild-eyed liberals, but because they're thoughtful, decent people who, who have the ability for critical thought. We need them because if you don't show up, if you don't show up, the alternative will fill that seat. And then God help us.
2: Yeah. So Hans, this is, you know, I, I think there's two things that I've seen pre-Trump I've seen, especially in in Oneida County where I lived, it was like the same people got like ran for 30 years and Mm -hmm. a lot of them had made money off of new roads or they made money because their construction firm, you know, got bids, you know, for the county. And so that's a good reason to be on the county board is if your business can make money from it. So that's the thing that I saw before Trump. But what I'm seeing now is exactly what you're saying. Like, there, it's a one issue, one, like, raging anger in your brain that doesn't care about the inner workings of a county. It cares about making sure that the power is is, you know, it's, is put into the place they think it should be put. And that's, but it's about that's, power rather than service. It's about power rather than service. Exactly. And so, so I agree with you wholeheartedly and that's why, you know, my super PAC is focused on getting good people and we don't even care if it's we really don't care about the politics it, the county board you're, you're filling potholes you know it's not like you really have to be motivated by some grand partisan kind of thing to be on a county board you just got to be sane you got to be reasonable you want to balance a budget and you know and and you want to do good by your community
4: mm-hmm. yeah no i i totally agree i mean i think there is sort of a big picture view that you know that local officials need to grasp. I think it's important, again, when we talk about things like climate change, you know, about where where dollars are gonna be ad- allocated and so forth. But, um, and again, in, in terms of, I just really feel like it's important to understand the motivation for some of the people on the hard right who are running. And they really, really are motivated by a deep seated belief that they're going to save the union. Very similar to, I think, the folks that ransacked the Capitol. Most of these people looked at it as their patriotic duty, and some, and some uh, sort of, you know, almost holy battle that they were focused on. And I mean, it's sad to say, but I really think that that's what's happening here. So, so again, knowing that that's some of the folks who are going to run, I think it's all the more important that people step up. And I think that people need to understand that they need to really. I'm sorry, folks, but let's just get off our asses. I'm not asking you to go off to war. I'm not asking you to sit on a city council for the next 10 years. But for for God's sakes, just run and see what happens. It won't kill you. And you could do good things for a couple of years and then go back to your to your life. And you might, and you I promise you, your experience on that county board or that city council will give you back more than you contributed because you're gonna learn something about how things operate and you're gonna put yourself out there. I promise you, when I ran for the first time, um, I was like, "Wait a second, what the hell am I doing?" Now the good news is, no one ran against me, and no one's ever run against me until this year. Now I've got I've got some actual competition, so I'm going to have to raise raise it up a little bit too. But but I, I if we don't fill these seats or at least attempt to, what's going to happen when we have elections that are contested and you've got a county board and you've got a county clerk? that is going to do what they're told to do from on high. Our democracy starts to crumble, okay? And and I'm I'm not trying to be dramatic, but this is, I mean, connect these dots, folks.
1: No, there are are real, Hans, there are real life examples of of counties and states that have sent back aid, pandemic aid that was meant to help, but this anti-government crusade has trickled down to the local government level where aid has not been used. And that's just one of many examples. And, and even if you set aside you know, the, the, the very justifiable uh, points you've, you've made about the current politics, the fact of the matter is local government is where we want to find real people. I have covered county boards throughout the state. I have covered more local government boards as a, as a reporter uh, than I could possibly name. And in every one of them, There were real people there who were generous, who were thoughtful, who did not know everything, but they just wanted to try to make a little difference. And Hans, despite no matter how heated the environment gets out there, the political environment, there's still room out there for good people to serve at the local level. Absolutely. And it's more important now than ever that those
4: people step up. Uh, That's that's sort of the point, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, you talk about sending back aid, that's, that's an example and it's, it's unfortunate, but I think the bigger picture is even, um, you know, bigger and scarier than that. Because again, we're talking about the actual heart of our democracy. And it, and it is sad that, that, um, that such partisanship now is, is crept into the local level the way it has. But again, you know, you have to ask yourself how it got there and, you, and that also should motivate people. Um, if our current state of affairs doesn't motivate people to to step up, then I'm not sure what I can say that will motivate them, other than don't be afraid of it. Don't think that you shouldn't do it because you can't do it or you have no place there. That's nonsense.
2: So, Hans, I just wanted to, uh, I think Pat's going to cl- close in a second, but um, I wanted to give people, you know, a little bit of something to hold on to. Obviously, if you're in Lincoln County. You know find hans and ask him what it's like to run for office but if you're like in oneida county vilas county marathon county st croix any of the ones up north uh, where kind of we focus our attention um, you know they're bi- they're nonpartisan races but you can call your Democratic Party office and get some help on where to f- download the forms and you know how you know what to do But it, it's, it's not a really partisan thing but you can always call your Democratic county but, but, party but, office right
1: every local party uh, wants to help they're they're there to help put good people on their local boards who they who they think might still align with them and Hans if I'm looking at the at the notes here at elections.wi.gov correctly, if a county population is under 100,000 for nominating petitions, you only need somewhere between 20 and 100 signatures, you know, so you don't want to yeah, get 20 because some might be bad, but you can turn in, you know, anywhere between 20 and 100 signatures and that you're on the ballot, right? That is correct. Yep.
4: Well, yeah. So it's not Kirk, a real even you,
1: Kirk, even you can find 20 friends. Yeah, I, I mean,
2: I it, it would take it would take me a couple of weeks. <laughs> not
1: about it. you could do it. i i have faith in you hans we cannot thank you enough uh for joining us again and and helping us with this very important dimension to uh to get you some good folks to serve with thank you so much for your time
4: nope not at all good seeing you guys be good
1: and all right good. take care hans and uh while i go uh, google dunning kruger effect to find out what the hell sarah was talking about we'll take a final break and uh we'll be we'll be back in just a moment
0: for me <laughs> Turkey for you. Let's eat the turkey in my big brown shoe. <laughs> love to eat the turkey at the table. I once saw a movie with Betty Grable. <laughs>
1: oh, man, I,
0: I think that's all
1: we got. He never he, you. he never disappoints. Um, and, and, you know, a couple weeks uh, late. Well, no, actually, his Hanukkah song is due anytime now as well. Another holiday classic. Welcome back to the Up North Podcast. I'm Pat Kreitlow, along with Kirk Bankstead and Sarah Yacoub, who taught me something today, that the Dunning-Kruger effect is a psychological phenomenon of illusory superiority, stating that people with a low ability at a task overestimate their own ability, and people with high abilities at a task underestimate their own. So take that to your Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) And and bring that one on, on your uh, crazy uncle when you're talking about whether the Dunning Kruger effect might apply to certain politicians who are thankfully no longer in office, Sarah. Um, <laughs> as they and, and if that doesn't work. Then you leave Thanksgiving dinner and the next day you take part in Black Friday shopping and Sarah being over on the western edge of the state uh, is here to tell us that the Hudson River Falls area is like, you know, that's where you should go to your Christmas shopping and your dining and apparently Hollywood is starting to take notice.
3: Yes. So when I moved from California, I thought Hollywood would stay there. Um, Evidently not. It took seven years, but okay. But for all you hopeless romantics out there, we have two movies that have taken place in Hudson. They're quite fun. One is Christmas Lovers Anonymous, and one is A Christmas Wish in Hudson. So after you get your warm feelings of hopeless romanticism, you can come to Hudson and check out some really neat shops. We've got The uh, Reagan's Rock Shop on Second Street. So for you fellow agate hunters out there, they have a wonderful collection of very cool rocks. We've got the Bricks Neapolitan Pizzeria right across the street. We've got a wonderful art gallery. Um, The Purple Tree has a bunch of really neat, sustainable, fun gifts uh, for the holidays. And there is no shortage of good food, whether it's Agave or San Pedro's or Urban Olive and Vine. I uh, invite you to come over to Hudson and we're right on the St. Croix River. It's absolutely beautiful. So you can take lots of wonderful, fun pictures. And I believe our Christmas lights might already be up.
1: You have to promise then that when I finally come over and we can finally have a first lunch together, it's going to be at Agave because that's run by a friend of a friend. And ah. so I'd, I'd really like to uh, go support um, his business venture. Um, and, and, you know, we're going to need a road trip after the, the long holiday weekend where again, you know, those Thanksgiving dinners aren't always easy, Kirk. And, you know, the Reverend Bankstead has a, a sermon that he'd like to share with us on helping make sure that we, we have peace and harmony for Thanksgiving.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I was just, obviously this is the time that you think about getting together with your family and, and potentially uh, your friends as well. And I was like, man. There's so many issues that often happen between families, but everybody kind of puts those issues aside when they sit at the Thanksgiving table and you you generally say a prayer holding hands around the table and and you just enjoy the presence of of your family. And and so I was I I contrasted that with this week where we've had the, the, the Rittenhouse stuff we've had. Um, you know the the crazy Waukesha parade where this guy mowed down people, and 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 then we had you know this um, arbory trial that just concluded today. Um, and I'm like, there's so much there's so much divisiveness happening right now. And, and compare that to the the togetherness of Thanksgiving. Um, and I've been accused of being divisive as well. I mean, I'm fighting hard on the on the progressive side. And sometimes I I'll take that criticism. Sometimes I don't think about uh you know how how we can work together. And so the one thing I want to end with in my own thought here is the rhetoric rhetoric of fear and hate is always going to divide and the rhetoric of love and empathy will always unite. So I don't if you're on the other side of the coin, if we lead with love, it doesn't matter if you disagree with me, because we can we can find a way to make common ground and make things better. And so I think hopefully we can all kind of th- think about how Thanksgiving can be longer than Thanksgiving when we're trying to deal with the the issues of the day and, and really trying to fix a lot of the tough stuff that's happening in the in the world right now.
3: Well, and if you think about you know the different partisan sides of the spectrum, it's different policy perspectives. And we need those different policy perspectives to be well rounded and to solve complex problems. So because we have different priorities or different ways of looking at a problem doesn't make us bad or weaker or enemies, it actually makes us stronger. So finding that common ground, rooting in that love of our community and our love of our families, uh, we can really make some strides forward.
1: I can't add on that. Very well said by both of you. Thank you both so much. Hope you both have a good Thanksgiving.
3: Happy Thanksgiving.
1: Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, with that, it's time for us to go. Uh, so thank you, Kirk and Sarah. Thank you to John Tracy and Hans Brighton Moser for joining us. Thank you for joining us at the cabin. Uh, Travel safe wherever you're heading this Thanksgiving weekend. We'll talk to you next week.